This is the Super Ugly Show. Showtime, Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We just want to take you guys for a ride through our minds, you know? We just want to uh, show you what it's like to live in our shoes. Yeah. Don't shove anything up your ass or do anything weird to your fucking pee-hole or try to choke yourself out when you jerk off. It's not safe, you know? That's politically correct. Yeah, super ugly show, Tuesday night. Mudgeon, who called in sick today, not even sick. He needs rest. I need my rest. Can, can we take? Can I take a rest? Hits me up, Richie, by the way, and says, "How about we skip tonight?" Skip isn't in my vocabulary when it comes to the super ugly show, people. All right. You people expect something from us every Tuesday night, and damn it, you're going to fucking get it every Tuesday night. Come hella high water. And that's why they call me the workhorse of the fucking brand and Super Ugly Show, because I am always, always here on Tuesday night to give you live entertainment. And since that fucking bum dick isn't here, I have a buddy of mine, a Mr. Mill Hustles on the phone to assist me through tonight's episode. Mill, how are you, pal? Say hello to everyone. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Now, How's it going? Well, not y'all, you. Yeah, me. <laughs> well, y'all to the people you know out there watching or listening or however they get their super ugly show, which if you're listening to us on Spotify, you can get us live every Tuesday night over on YouTube, Super Ugly Show. Search us out, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We're live every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as you can see, we take phone calls. You can write in the chat. You can, uh, you know, disrupt the chat and get thrown out of it like a bunch of people do almost on a weekly basis. So, uh, Mill, are you uh, got anything to promote or are you just a regular guy? I'm just a regular guy right now, man. A regular guy who uh, enjoys podcasts. What are some of the other podcasts you listen besides this one, of course? Well, you know, all the Russo brand ones, of course. You know, I'm an OG member. All of them? Yeah, pretty much them. Uh, most of them. Most of them. All right. Well, what what are the ones you listen to? Uh, this one, of course. Of course. Uh, Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Disco. Which seems uh, to be the number one show on the brand. Except for maybe castrating. And yeah, castrating's big. So I'm assuming you listen to castrating as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what oh, about? Yeah, I've been uh, into them a few times. What's that? 
I've contributed to them a few times. Oh, they've read your stuff. Yeah, I know that the fans get to send stuff in. And you know what it was? I lost my password and login to, um, you know, the Realm stuff. So, and I, I hate asking, you know what I mean? Because I, I don't pay for it. They just hook me up with a free account. And I hate asking. So for, for almost like a year now, I haven't been able to listen to anything on the on the very platform that I'm on. But, you know, like I said, I just hate being like, um, I lost my password. Can I have, you know, it's like, eh. Whatever it is, what it is, you know. But um, what well, else? So what I, else? I was in the same situation. What's that? Since they have like four different websites now. Yeah. Yeah, I lost my password as well. So yeah, it's like I, you know, I'll just you know support. Not is the road. realm? Is the realm website still basically the same, or did they change it around at all? I haven't been on there. No, I checked it two days ago, and it's still the same. It's still it a is. little outdated, but I'm sure you know they'll hook it up. Yeah. They need to. And still can't get your mug on the damn poster. Was that you, David Turner, who was uh, on Twitter bitching that we weren't on the poster? Eh, I fought that battle with Vince. You know, it is what it is. I, I, you know, I, I'm over it. Um, I'm not going to, you know, complain about it. You know, I'm just happy to be here at this point. You know, like he gives us a, an outlet. He gets us out there on Spotify and all those other platforms. Honestly, you know, to even do that is more than enough. You know what I mean? I did bitch in the in the past, though, about not being on the poster. But in the grand scheme of things, after everything, you know, me and Vince talked, you know, I was like, eh, you know, whatever. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? But I have a quick question for you. Go ahead. So um, you joined, y'all joined the brand a little after I did. When I was, like, I was there at the beginning. I was the original guy doing all the shitty graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that uh, connection come about? Oh, well, well, my wife is Vince's not blood niece, but niece through best friends. Like um, my wife's father and Vince grew up through childhood, like childhood best friends, you know, all the way back to um, the Bronx, I believe they're from. Either Bronx or Brooklyn, I forget. They're from one of those boroughs, but they grew up way back from then. And, um, you know, my uh, wife's father passed away before even me and her got together and um you know so vince would check in now and then you know again there he's very close with the family but he's in colorado you know what i mean so it's not like there's much he could do except you know check in and you know see how everyone's doing and you know vince vince gets this bad stick i'm going to get back to your question in a second i just want to say something about vince vince gets this reputation because all they see of him or all they've known of him was the tv persona was whatever Jim Cornette said or whatever his shitty fans said about him. Anyone who knows Vince, he's the sweetest, nicest, like, can't be more willing to help literally anybody he can. Like, he is one of the best people I've never met but know. Because I've never met him in person. I've only had a relationship through phone calls and texts and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, we video called before, of course, on the show and stuff. But... He has gone so far out of his way to, like, you know, like, he doesn't have to put Super Ugly on. We have no business being on the brand to begin with. Like, we're so different from everything else on there. You know, like, everything else is somehow wrestling-oriented, and then all of a sudden it's Super Ugly. And it's like, who the, why are these guys even here? You know what I mean? But And that's why, because Vince is that fucking great of a person. Like, he, to take two guys he's never met off the strength of just, you know, it's my best friend's daughter's husband, 
And that was it. And he was like, hey, you know, you want a platform? Send it in. I'll put it on. And that's how it pretty much went. You know, we were doing audio only. I don't, it wasn't even on SoundCloud. It was somewhere else. And we maybe did a handful of shows like that before we got in touch with Vince. And he was like, um, no, you got to do video. And that's when we did the whole YouTube and video aspect of it. And, you know, that's pretty much where we are. The funny story is, though, I'm with my wife a few years before I even knew that Vince was like a part of their lives. You know what I mean? Like my mother-in-law one day just very casually was like, oh, Vince likes wrestling. And she knows I like wrestling. Well, like I said, we've been together years at this point. So my mother-in-law knew I, I liked wrestling and and never brought it up. Like never once brought it up. And I forget why it came up. But she just very casually was like, oh, Jeff's friend, uh, Vince, you know, he used to do that wrestling stuff. And I look at her and I'm like, Vince who, you know, because I think she mentioned that he worked for like WWE. Like, you know, there was something that made me say Vince who. And she goes, oh, Vince Russo. And I look, I go, ma, all this time, you know, I'm a wrestler and you never thought to mention that your husband, your, you know, your husband's best friend is fucking Vince Russo. She's like, yeah, it never dawned on me, you know, and it was just one of those funny moments. But yeah, and then ever since then, um, Jess reached out to him through email and he responded and again, couldn't have been, you know, nicer. And the, him and Jess, I don't think really ever spoke other than probably like passing or like, hey, you know, Uncle Vince, you know, because by the time, you know, um, um, my father-in-law had the kids and, you know, Vince had his kids, they were, Vince was living in Atlanta or he was, you know, in wherever doing WWE stuff like they weren't really close in proximity together, but they were still always very close, like brothers, you know what I mean? Like super tight. So um, she reached out to him and told her the situation about super ugly and everything. And immediately he was like, yeah, no problem. Like one email just sent and his response back was, yeah, anything I can do to help. Glad to do it. And then I started talking to him after that. And the rest is history. You know, I made a great new friend and you know, he's one of the, like I said, he's one of the best people you could know. Like, anyone who knows him, honestly, is lucky to know that man because he's so kind-hearted. He's so just a good person. You know what I mean? Like, in the wrestling business, people who shit on him, the wrestlers, typically their mid-carders are people who couldn't get over. And, you know, the ones who do talk good about him are the biggest legends in the industry for the most part, you know? And then, you know, the wrestling industry is a snake-filled industry. So he's not that type of person. He's not the type of person to do it behind your back. He's the type of person to tell you how he feels to your face. And a lot of New Yorkers are that way. Most of the rest of the country is not. They're not used to that type of confrontation. It's not even confrontation for us, but for the rest of the country, it seems like confrontation where you're like, this is how I feel, and yeah, I'm going to say it to your face. Because most people aren't used to being spoken to that way. Most people are used to either A, being lied to, or B, just walking around aimlessly, not knowing the difference between night and day. So, you know, when you have someone like Vince telling you, no, you suck, and here's why, most of those egotistical wrestlers don't want to hear it. They know better. You know what I mean? Like, no one can tell them, you know, what they should be doing. And it's like, dummy, look what he did. You know what I mean? Like, clearly he knows what he's talking about. Has he made mistakes in the business? Of course. Everyone has. Vince McMahon has. But he did a lot of good. More good than the bad, which people seem to just, you know, negate that fact. But the enemies and the shit talkers, all the people who 
he couldn't help. And trust me, if I know the situation, he probably tried his damnedest to help them and get them somewhere. But it's on you to then, you know, do something with it. He can't fucking do everything. He can't, you know, create magic. No one can. So, you know, but like with the rock and mankind, he kind of pointed them in direction. You know, that's stupid. Not stupid. It was the highest uh, rated segment ever. This is your life. That was a Russo idea. That was all Vince. You know what I mean? So you look at stuff like that and you go, he knows what he's doing. And not everything was tits and ass and not everything was Jerry Springer like. You know, a lot of it was really great fucking storytelling. Some of the best, if not the best in wrestling history. But people don't want to give him the credit for that. They'll always, you know, come up with an excuse or say, oh, but he had Vince to, uh, you know, throw throw shit at the wall with or, you know, to uh, to uh, screen whatever Russo wanted to do or, you know. And to that, I say, really? Filter. Yeah, filter. filter. And, and to that, I say, really? Then where the fuck has that Vince McMahon been for the past 20 years? Because we haven't seen that Vince McMahon ever again. We saw him when Russo was there, which not to, not to also don't forget was Vince McMahon's highest point of his career because he was on TV also as the bad boss, as this villain. You know, so you look at all that and you go, dude, you discredit everything the man's done. But by doing that, you're just telling me you're an idiot. You're an absolute fucking idiot and a, a mark, really, because it's only the marks who do that shit. Anybody else? understands what he did for the business, understands the contributions he made during the greatest era, a lot of people say at least, in the wrestling business ever, ever. Like there wasn't a higher point where you had eight-year-olds wanting to watch, but maybe their parents didn't let them, and college students and high school students watching wrestling. Everybody, though, not just the wrestling fans, everybody was coming in and saying, dude, you watch Monday Night Raw last night? Did you watch Nitro last it was a phenomenon, and the NWL maybe started that phenomenon, but Russo and the Attitude Era took it and fucking ran with it all the way into the end zone and passed it. So, you know, I love Vince, and the people that shit on him, I'm always there to, uh, you know, fight the good fight with him or for him if he's not around doing it himself because he deserves it. He, he's nothing but a fucking amazing, great guy. He really is. Yeah, he's done a lot for me as well. I actually met him off of a cold email. You know, I was always a fan of his. Yeah. Uh, when we first saw him at Nitro, and I just said, hey, man, uh, I know you're restarting your whole podcasting because I know he had that whole issue with the guy before that locked him out of everything. And I said, hey, if you need graphics, you know, I'm not an excellent graphic designer. I just need practice, and I'll do it for free. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, come aboard. He hit me. He, sh- he shot me a follow on my old Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually, that relationship with Russo sparked a lot of good opportunities for me, man. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people, anyone with a brain in their head understands and respects what he did. You know, anyone who wants to listen to Cornette or listen to, you know, the Marks who think he killed WCW, which I'm not going to go over that again for the millionth time. Look it, up, look it up yourself. It wasn't him. He came in on a sinking ship and tried to patch a fucking gaping hole that was unpatchable. You know what I mean? It was already sunk at that point. It's just the flag was still waving in the air pretty much. The only thing left. And he tried to save it. And he couldn't. 
But no one could have in that position. There's not a single person on the planet who could have came in and saved WCW at the point he came in. So, you know, and it was Brooklyn. Jess uh, wrote in the thing here. Uh, what did, let me see. I thought I saw something that someone wrote. Um, he's helped so many people going through tough times. He helped Jeff Jarrett's wife when she had cancer years ago. That's what, like that's what I mean. You know, people just don't understand what a good person he is. And me, as someone who knows him personally, you know, not that I have this amazing, you know, talk every day relationship, but you know, I talk to him maybe once a month, every other month. You know, when we talk, it's it's not just hey, this is the deal, and you know, we ask each other how our lives are. You know, his niece is my wife. You know, his you know nieces are my kids, and you know, so. It, it's really been like a treat also because to meet someone on the inside as a fan from being a fan when I was fucking four years old to meet someone on the inside and be able to hear all that insider shit and get those questions answered that I've always had in my head. Like, you know, I got to ask him about the Goldberg spear, which, you know, he took one of the best spears ever. They fucking knocked him unconscious, but, you know, he took it, but. I always wondered, you know, what does that feel like, you know? And he fucking hated it. He said it was the worst thing he ever felt. So, but, you know, God bless Vince. I love him. And uh, everyone, if you're not a part of the brand, go join Russo'sBrand.com. It's only four bucks a month. Tell them Super Ugly sent you. Um, all right. Let's move on from that. Uh, you got anything else you want to ask? I mean, you know, you're the guest here. If you got anything you want to ask me or, you know, any questions you might have had or anything like that. Let's get them out. You know, if not, I got a few things we can go on to. Tell me can move forward. All right, cool. Are you a Sopranos fan? I'm going to assume yes. I mean, you're a male in America. Yes. Yes. Have you seen the trailer for Many Saints of Newark? I have not, but I heard about it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I'm going to talk about it right now. Go watch it right now while I'm talking about it. It's only two minutes long. All right. Is it cool? And then when you get back, just, you know, interrupt, just say, hey, I'm back. You know what I mean? But I'm going to talk about it real quick. And then when you come back, we'll talk about it together as fans. And, and, you know, I'll see what you think. I'll just give people kind of an idea of what you see in the trailer if they haven't seen it yet. Cool. Cool. All right. So The Many Saints of Newark is the prequel to The Sopranos, which I, I don't know how many of you out there are fans. I mean, who wasn't a fan of that show? It was the great. It's. The greatest fucking thing ever to hit television. I mean, I, I rack my brain sometimes, and there's, like, comedy shows like Seinfeld or It's Always Sunny. But it's different. Like, the comedy shows are different. They're all great. I love them. But The Sopranos, as far as television goes, is the bar. Like, that, that's the peak. No one surpassed it yet. And all you Breaking Bad people and The Wire and whoever else wants to bring up your Game of Thrones, fuck off. All right, Breaking Bad was great. The Wire was great. Then not The Sopranos. The Sopranos was perfect. And, you know, there was those kind of slower seasons, season four and five, where people were like, oh, what's going on? And some people were a little iffy about those seasons. Go back and watch them. That's all I'm going to say. Like, you just go back and watch them. Because if you watched them on the first run when it aired on Sunday night, the expectation was so high every week for it to be such a masterpiece. And they were, for the most part. They all were. But you had such high expectations coming in every Sunday, especially after season three. Like, season three ended on such a fucking bang. Like, it was, season three is the best season as far as I'm concerned. 
So following that up, there was so much hype leading up to four, and then five took forever to come out. So those seasons, you know, are a little slower. There's not as much maybe blood or killing, but they're fucking phenomenal as far as the writing and the act. Edie Falco in that show is arguably the greatest acting we've ever seen. When the Russian whore calls up Tony's house and she answers the phone and, you know, this is now years into the show and she's, I used to fuck your husband and she hangs up the phone and then Tony's in the hallway and she comes out and she's crying. But that sob where like you're trying to catch your breath. Think about that. That wasn't a real situation. She had to turn that on and you watch that fucking scene and you believe it's real. Like, as far as what she's doing and what she's going, like, for someone to pull that that out of them, I can't even, like, begin to fathom how someone does that. Like, it's incredible. But everybody in the show plays their parts so well. Think about how many people got nominated for Emmys for it. Pretty much everybody, except for probably Syl and Pauly. But everybody is getting nominated for Emmys. The show's winning Emmys as far as writing, you know, directing, and outstanding show every year. It, it's a masterpiece. An absolute masterpiece. And when it ended, we were like, fuck. But we always had that, well, we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if Tony died. We don't know if he lived. So there was always this aura of maybe it can come back somehow or in some way. And then James Gandolfini died. And everything, any hope you ever had of maybe seeing Tony Soprano again vanished with that. Well, now come to 2021. And David Chase. Good trailer. Uh, you watched it? I'm literally, oh, yeah. I'm literally right up to the point of talking about the trailer. I was just sucking the show's dick for about two minutes. So, because honestly, where does it rank as far as shows on your list? Um, as far as drama goes, top yeah. ten. Probably top, yeah, top ten definitely. Top ten. As far as. Top um, five? Top three. Top three. What what would you put over it? Um, let's see. See, that would probably be my, like my number two. What's number one? Um, let me guess. Because there's very few shows ahead, that people yeah. bring up when it comes to beating Sopranos. I'm going to say three shows, and let me know if it's one of them. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, or The Wire. Probably for me, it would be the wire. The wire number the one. Being, this is why, because I come from a background like that, not the wearing a wire shit, but that kind of environment. Yeah, that, that hood. Yeah, where are you from? I'm from Florida. Florida, what part? Oh my God, Florida, Jesus! We all know how Tampa. fucking nutty that fucking place is. What part? So, but here's the Tampa. Here's the thing about Florida. In Florida, and I'm going to circle back to something you said earlier. Mm-hmm. In Florida, half of everyone in Florida is from New York, and the yeah. other half is related to someone from New York. Yeah. No matter who you are. Yeah. I, you I mentioned I, earlier how Italians, from New York especially, they are, some people might consider it um, confrontational or maybe even to a point of, what's the fucking word I'm looking for? Oh, whatever. Um, aggressive. But yeah, they're straightforward. No, yeah. no, the word's not aggressive. Um, I can't think of the word right now. I'll think of it later. But yeah, so I appreciate that. Yeah. But I most, like, that you know, there's 
people who understand life, like really understand life, do. The people I've met, abrasive. you know, in other states. Abrasive is the word. What's that? Abrasive. Is the abrasive, word. yeah, yeah. Which I was going to say brash, abrasive. But most people I've met in this world who are, you know, hardworking people who, you know, don't expect shit just to happen, you know, like a lot of people live in that world. Like most people live in that world. But the people that I've encountered that don't live in that fantasy fucking America world, they appreciate it. Like I, I immediately end up bonding with them like in a way where, you know, they look at me and they respect where I'm from. And I'm not from the city. I'm from Long Island. But we still have that same... You know what I mean? Like, fuck you attitude because when you come from Long Island, you get shit on because you're not the city. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you're not in the city. You know, you're on Long Island. So now we have this chip on our shoulder. Like, fuck you, though. Like, you don't know what goes on out here. We have shit going on out here. There's drugs and gangs and all sorts of shit out here that we have to deal with. That we, You know, it's just we have houses instead of living in fucking, you know, an urban environment. So... We have that chip on our shoulder, but most people that I've met outside of New York, I get along with really fucking well. But then there's those people that just look at Northerners that just don't like us just because apparently they're not supposed to. You know what I mean? Like for some reason or another, somewhere in their life, someone told them, no, 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 anyone from the North, fuck them. You know? So, and I think some New Yorkers up here get that stigma of, well, everyone in the South is kind of dumb and slow. You know, so I, I come from both worlds. I was born in Texas, so I would always visit Texas. I, I was in Texas a lot all through my life. I'm actually going to move there in a few years. I love Texas. But I, I spent my whole life in New York. So when I would visit Texas, you know, I had friends down there, and periodically I'd go down there. So I'd go down there when I was 12 and then when I was 15. And I would, you know, kind of be all different stages every time I went down there. But every time I went down there and hang out with my friends, and the people I didn't know, I'd end up in this fucking circle with all of them asking me about New York, all of them, you know, asking me to say fucking certain words, which would always piss me off. And I'd look at them and go, go fuck yourself. I'm not a fucking circus monkey. Eat shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say ball and water for you because you think it sounds funny or cool or whatever the fuck you think. Eat a dick. So anyone from the South, don't do that to a northern person. I, I've never met a northern person meet a southern person and go, say this. You know, like, it's just stupid, for one. And for two, it's like, fuck you. Like, I I'm not here for your amusement. You know what I mean? And that immediately tells me what kind of fucking person you are. You're a shitty person. You know what I mean? You don't treat, you don't treat a human like that. It's just fucking, it was always weird to me, and it would always piss me off. But, um, so, you know, I would go there through periodically all these times. So I grew up in the South, and, you know, like I said, there's people in the South that are Southern boys, and they're just... They're like anywhere else. Everyone has jerk-offs. You know what I mean? So there's jerk-offs down there. But for the most part, you know, working class Joe and, you know, from Texas, Nebraska, New York, New Jersey, you'll get along just because you respect each other for, you know, what you do and who you are, you know. But it, they don't... So I lived in Texas a, a while myself. What part? Um, Laredo and San Antonio. All right. Yeah, I'm a Houston boy. Hey, H-Town, baby. I um, worked in Houston while living in San Antonio. Yeah. I love Houston because you could make a lot of money out there if you hustle, but I just hate the traffic. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't know what the fuck they're doing out there as far as driving-wise either. 
Like the, uh, one of the few times, one of the uh, times I went out there, last time I actually flew out there because the last time I went down there this year, we drove down because of the pandemic. But the last time I flew down there, we get off the plane, we uh, leave um, George Bush, Bush Airport. I think it was the Bush Airport. We come out and we're making, you know, a left turn at a heavy intersection. And a woman in front of us is doing the same thing and just drives right into the person. I mean, we're all, there was no reason for it. Not like literally just drove right into this guy, just smashed him. And I'm like, what the fuck was she paying attention to? Like, we were all in the same lane. Everything is as should be. But for some reason, she just smashes into this fucking guy and then took off, of course. But I've seen shit like that in Texas all the time. People just are so relaxed down there. To a point where sometimes it's like, bro, you need to fucking wake up a little bit. You're driving, asshole. You know what I mean? We were going down there during that yeah. storm. They had that little ice storm. Now, for me, I'm in a forerunner. I'm from New York. I'm like, I'll fucking drive in this blindfolded. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was nothing. It was a light dusting where, you know, a broom could have sweeped away any snow that was near you. So everybody, though, on the road is driving like they're on a fucking ice skating rink. So now I'm sitting there, and because everybody's being too overcautious... You know what I mean? It's fucking up my driving because I'm used to driving in this. And I'm like, dude, just fucking drive. Like, you're not going to die. This is fine. You know, but they don't know any better. They don't never dealt with anything like that. But it fucking drove me fucking crazy. Absolutely fucking crazy. Because, you know, as a New Yorker, again, you deal with weather. You know, it's, it's nothing. And when everyone was in a panic down there, me, my wife, and even my kids were all laughing. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, I send my family down there pictures of uh, snow from up here, and it's, you know, up to my mailbox. It's three feet, four feet high. So, you know, they know what I, I, I deal with, and they're all looking at me like, yeah, I, yeah, we understand, you know. We, we are kind of silly. <laughs> so, but. No, I love Texas. Uh, my son uh, was born there, um, but I lived in Texas and Mexico at yeah. that time. I love Mexico. That's where I would like to retire, honestly, and I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah, no, Mexico's beautiful. My uncle's actually down there right now. He um, used to live in Vegas, and he uh, got a place, I forget where, but it's more on the east coast of Mexico. Like, it's, you know, like a very tropical, beautiful, you know, nice place. My uncle's, you know, it's pretty well to do, you know what I mean? So he, oh, no, I, I live in the wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, back to um, the Many Saints. Wow, we really drifted from there. The Many Saints in Newark trailer. It uh, came out today. It's the prequel to The Sopranos. It's set in the 60s, I believe. It looks like the 60s, right? It's, it's supposed About to that time, yeah. yeah Late 60s. It's supposed to be, I think, somewhat near the Newark riots. So, you know, look that up. The only thing that bothers me is the timeline as far as Tony's age. Like, if you think about it and you really break it down, it doesn't work out. But fuck it. It's Sopranos. It's I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not going to let anything stupid like that bother me. And it shouldn't bother anyone else. Like, fuck off. You know, Rocky came back and his kid was eight years older. All right? We, we could look past it. But it, um, it's What set- do you think of Ray Liotta being in it? Well, I just read yesterday. I, I heard this fact before, but I forgot. And then I was retelling it to somebody. So I had to look it up to remember who it was. But he was actually first choice to be Tony Soprano. For the Sopranos, mm. yeah, which would have been awful. Like he would, he couldn't have done that. Like, like he he has a, a cold look to him, where Tony has a, a warm look, like a guy that you know, if you're a girl, you can just like the way metal would just squeeze into him. You know, like, like he had an endearing look to him, even though he was the most evil, ruthless motherfucker. He still had that endearing like 
soft, nurturing type of look to him. You know what I mean? And Ray Liotta just doesn't have that. I like that he's in it. I love Ray Liotta. Um, he's kind of plays the same role in everything, but he's very good at that fucking role. So, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. But it also seems like it's more of a smaller role. It doesn't seem like he's one of the main guys because the story is about um, Tony as a mid to late teenager, I would say, and Dickie Moltisanti, which if you're a fan of Sopranos, we've only heard – basically peeps of the legend of Dickie Moltisanti, which was Christopher's father. And whenever he was spoken about in the show, it was always to the highest regards. Like, everybody, no matter who it was, if Dickie Moltisanti's name came up, everybody said how, like, he was going to, he should have been the guy, you know, but he was killed and, you know, whatever happened. But he should have been, like, the the head mob boss. He, he was the perfect guy for it. Everybody respected, liked him. So it's going to be really interesting now to see that side of it. And it seems that the story mainly is him and Tony. Now, Tony is played by Michael Gandolfini, which is James's oldest son. I believe he's his oldest. And you look at this kid. He's the spitting fucking image of his father. The spitting image. Like, like the way the moon's lined up in perfection for this to, to happen. You know what I mean? Like it's amazing because he dies. James Gandolfini Sopranos is dead. You know what I mean? So whoever, I guess David chase or, you know, whoever wrote this treatment and was like, Hey, we'll do a prequel thing. And then the kid, by the time they start filming is old enough to do it. And he's an actor and he's great. He was in that other show. Um, that show with the hookers in New York city, times square, it was on HBO uh, with the James Franco's in it. I can't remember the name of it, but he was in that, and he was really good in it too. But in this, in the very beginning, he's in a phone booth with a girl, and some guy walks by and calls him a jerk off. And when he's with the girl, he's smiling, and he's, you know, all, hey, I'm young and in love with a chick, or, you know, whatever, I might go get laid, whatever the case may be. He's with a chick, so he's happy. And this guy calls him a jerk off. And the way his face changes... Is Tony Soprano to a fucking T? Because he goes from this happy-go-lucky kid to this face of, what the fuck did you just, I'm going to fucking kill you, motherfucker. And, like, you know you fucked up by the face this kid makes. And I saw that, and it's the beginning of the trailer. And that's all I, if they just showed me that, I would have been like, either way, I'm all in. But that would have made me feel really good about what's about to happen with this movie. And then the rest of the trailer just is fantastic as well. But that scene alone, because the whole time I'm going, ah, his kid's playing it. You know what I mean? Like, was it casted just because he's his kid? You know, can he do it? And when I saw that, I was like, fuck, yeah, this kid can do it. And not only can he do it, he fucking, from what I can tell, is going to kill it. Like, he's going to murder this fucking role. It's going to be amazing. The trailer blew my fucking mind. I, I I was joking online. I'm like, I think I just came in my pants. But it, it it looks that fucking good. And it's one of these HBO Max movies. It's going right to HBO Max. Do you think that they'll be able to tell the whole pre-story in a movie? Because I think that this is going to lead to a spin-off show. Well, that's because what I was saying, Jess. Sopranomania. Every other day I hear Soprano this, Soprano that, one way or another. If you, any of y'all watch Blind TV when they... Uh, interview like real life monsters, they always bring up the Sopranos one way or another. 
Yeah, because you know what it was? Like, when we watched mob movies prior to The Sopranos, it was only about the mobsters and mob shit. The Sopranos made it real. The Sopranos made it, you know, it made it a thing where, yeah, the, the mob, it, on, you know, watching it, you're like, hey, this looks great. But then the killing happens and you're like, oh, not so great. But the fun parts, you're like, oh, the gambling, you know, the women, the drinking, you know, all that stuff looks great. The Sopranos, though, not only had that, but then it also reminded you that these guys go home at night. These guys have children. They have aunts, uncles, wives, you know, brothers, sisters. And we never saw that part. In The Godfather, we did, but the family was all about organized crime. So it's still, we didn't see a real family dynamic. You know what I mean? Everybody was involved in the mafia other than Michael. But, you know, we all know where that went to, or at least you should know. And if you don't, go watch The Fucking Godfather. But we never saw, like, you know, at the dinner table, just a normal dinner. Well, again, we did in The Godfather. Let's remove The Godfather because whatever. But you get what I'm saying? We never saw, you know, just a, a normal kid, you know, his son plays video games and it annoys him. Or his daughter, you know, hates his guts but still needs money. So, you know, the only time she talks to him is when she needs money. Like, all that shit, all those little nuances of the family aspect of it, of his relationship with Carmella. Like, that part. At first, like, before I was married, before I had kids, I would watch those part and go, like, fuck this part. Like, move past this part. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't care. Fucking divorce her. You know, I wasn't married at the time. But watching it as a married man now with children and, like, they're, they're young love. Like, they, they were high school sweethearts. So they really genuinely love each other. They don't want to break up. You know what I mean? Tony's a piece of shit, though. But she signed up for that. She understood what she was getting into, you know? So now watching that relationship, I appreciate it on such a higher level. Like, that part of the show is such an integral and important part of that fucking dynamic for that show to work. Because when they were divorced, that whole part of the, of the, of the show, it flipped everything. Because you were used to Tony coming home and Carmella just eating shit, being pissed about it, but then he would go buy her a bracelet or go buy her a car and she would shut her mouth and be like, all right. But then finally it was like, no, I'm leaving. Get the fuck out of the house. And then everything transpired the way it did, but they didn't end up getting divorced. But still the thought of it, you know, was really like, wow, like this is fucking crazy. And then one of the funniest moments in that show that always stuck out to me and I was watching it with a group of people was when Tony came back in the house and it's him, AJ and Carmela at the dinner table. And all of a sudden AJ looks up and he goes, this is fucking weird. And when I was watching the show with all the people we were watching it right before AJ said that we were watching it and it was very silent. And I go, this is really fucking weird. And two seconds later, AJ said it and it was just really a fucking funny moment, but it was, it's the little moments like that, that make it so real. You know what I mean? Because you're kind of thinking the same way they are as far as certain situations or, you know, how you would handle things or whatever. And that's what made it so fucking good. It was so grounded in reality. It was so just, you know, I, I kind of know these people. And growing up in an Italian family, a lot of those people on screen, my uncles or, you know, friends of the family or whoever, I knew a lot of those types of people, you know, maybe not mobbed up. I don't know. I was young at the time. They could have been. But I knew those types of fucking old school guineas. You know, they don't really exist anymore, 
but it was a way of life that was so different and so just um so cool though too you know like i said not the mob and the killing part but just that old school guinea mentality like it, it's it was such a, a cool era and such a a cool way of life like it, like, I look at it and I go, you know, people, um, everyone shits on everybody's, you know, background or whatever. You know, people make fun of blacks if you're not black or people make fun of Hispanic if you're not Hispanic. But the Italians, for the most part, always got a pass. Like, the blacks always got along with the Italians. Hispanics typically got along with the Italians. The only people who didn't were the Irish. And here's why. Because the Irish came to America before the Italians. They were the first like real big heavy immigrants of the 1800s. So when they came in, they were the first type of, they were treated horribly. They were treated like, you know, almost as bad as black people, just not slaves though. Like they were, they were dirt and they would get spit on, they would get shitted on. And, you know, they came here and did whatever they, I don't, I honestly don't even know what their contribution was, what they law enforcement firefighters, I guess. So when the Italians came, they were like, hey, we were here first. So now it's our turn to get to treat you like shit. But we're special people. We're, we're amazing. We built Rome. You know what I mean? Caesar took over the fucking world. We, we were top dogs of this. And we were the tiniest fucking country. And we ran shit. You know, you look at Rome and, and you know, the Vatican and all that shit, the shit Michelangelo did. It is the most amazing craftsmanship you've ever seen. And it was done before machines. You know what I mean? Like, that part blows my mind, that these guys did it before machines. So when the Italians came here, they already had that hard work ethic. But they also had that we're all together. Like, Italians, you know, if we're in the same neighborhood and you ain't eating and I am, I'm going to make sure you're eating too. You know what I mean? Like, we never let anybody else fall. We always picked each other up for the most part. The Irish weren't, weren't that way. They were, you know, every man for himself type of situation. So we advanced so much quicker than the Irish did here, where we became politicians. We built fucking New York City. You know, you look at New York City and, you know, anything that was built prior to, let's say, 1980, it was most likely built by majority Italian crew. Um, the way we organized crime is, you know, it changed the game. You know what I mean? Like, no one did it the way that we made it glamorous we made it look fun there's movies multiple movies television shows about how fucking amazing the italian mafia was which at first it was more of a, a police thing when you couldn't go to the police or you know the police wouldn't do anything it was more of a helping hand of course you would owe a favor but still it was it was more in a positive light and then as time went on you know with prohibition and everything it got really dark and ugly but we advanced quicker than them. So the Irish hate us because of that, because we were supposed to be the bottom of the barrel, and we were for about five minutes, and then I was like, oh, no, you're still where you were when you fucking got here, and look at what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you. So the Irish hate us because of that, I'm pretty sure. But fuck them anyway, the Irish. Um, but, yeah, many scenes in Newark. Looks phenomenal. I'm excited. Can't wait. And uh, that's really all I got to say about that. There was um. Are you gonna watch it and do a watch along, or just like watch it and do a regular? Review I never do watch alongs. I I'm a movie fanatic. Like if you could see the wall directly across from me that I'm looking at right now, I have custom built shelves with all my DVDs and Blu-rays, 
and it's over 1500 you know, and legit store-bought, no bootlegs, no, I don't put those in my collection. I have some of those, but they're thrown about like in a drawer or wherever. But I have a vast collection of movies that, you know, range from Little Mermaid to fucking I Spit on Your Grave. You know what I mean? So I'm a huge movie buff. When I watch a movie, especially a movie that I am dying to see like that, leave me the fuck. I'll go to movies by myself, the movie theater, by myself, because I don't want people bothering me when I'm watching a movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we're doing here, right? I thought we agreed we're all watching a movie. Why are you talking to me? Like, I'll get really fucking annoyed. So a movie like that, I'll watch downstairs. You know, I have a nice projector. It's, you know, not too high end, but it's not low end either. It's, you know, over over a couple G's, you know, but it's not one of those crazy $10,000 ones either. But um, so I'll come down here. I'll watch it down here. Jess will watch it with me because she's a diehard Sopranos fan like I am. And we'll block everything out in the world and just, you know, set up down here and enjoy it for ourselves. So that's how I am with uh, movies. But, uh, yeah, while you like those watch-along things, I don't like, you know, then I'm not paying attention to the movie. I'm paying attention to what people are saying, you know, like I, I can't do all that. Maybe after I watch it, if someone wanted me to do it and there was enough interest, I might do it. But, you know. I don't know. I feel like I'd be good at that watch-along thing, though. Because I watch movies, especially, like, I'll watch movies that I love, and then I've seen it 50 times, so I start breaking it down and picking it apart. I've done it with almost every Rocky movie. They're my favorite movies in the world. But I have now picked them apart and picked apart Rocky himself that if you heard me talk about them, you would think I don't like these movies. Yeah, I, um... I like reaction videos to certain scenes, but then do a watch along. I mean, unless I'm doing it, like I'm there in the room, no. I don't really watch it myself. And I mean, and you know what it is too? A movie's a long thing. You know, at, at, at minimum, it's an hour and a half. A, a movie like Many Saints of Newark, I'm going to guess that's going to be between two and a half to three hours. Like that's going to be a, a decent, decently long movie. So, you know, to sit through a watch-along on something like that, like, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be interested in doing something like that. So I don't know why anyone else would be. But like I said, if there was enough interest and I had enough people say, hey, do it, and I'll be there to watch, maybe I'd do it. I've never done anything like it before. But, you know, who knows? I would rather do it on something stupid, you know what I mean? Like fucking over the top or, you know, Cobra. Like, I'd rather do it on a movie like that where I can really, you know, just beat the shit out of it. You know, when I'm watching Many Saints in Newark, or even, like, if, say, someone was, like, do Pulp Fiction, like, I, I wouldn't have much to say because they're perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about many Saints of Newark, but, you know, other movies, like, certain movies, I'd be like, I'm not going to sit here and beat this movie. I, it's an amazing movie, you know? And you're not in the room yeah, with me, so the energy's not the same. And, you know, now if you're shitting on it, too, I'm going to look at you and go, well, fuck you. That just told me you don't know what good movies are. I think that if it's received well, which I think it is, uh, but, I mean, like, I guess it's a bad comparison, but if it's received in the level that something like Cobra Kai was, where it had like universal acclaim, I get what you're I think saying. There will yeah. be a, yeah, a I, spinoff of it. I think. I mean, I don't think you'd need that either way. If if so, if David Chase went to HBO and was like, "Hey, I want to do more Sopranos," they'd be like, "Yeah, great, just here, money, go do it." Like, I don't even think there'd be a discussion. You know, what I mean, like, who wouldn't want that? You know, the the audience is there. Like, the Sopranos audience is rabid. We're like we're we're diehard, and we watch it multiple. I watch that entire series maybe twice a year, 
if not, uh, definitely once a year since I've been with Jess. We've watched the entire series, episode one to whatever, you know, the last one is. I think there's 80-something or 90-something episodes. But whatever the last one is in season six, full through, you know, we do it annually, if not twice a year, like I said, because we just we love it. And it's so good. And you pick up so many other things watching it. And then there's also, like, all those little things that, you know, someone says something in season six that, you know, in season one now you go, oh, shit, wow, okay, like, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of stuff, you know, to, it's very rewatchable, not to mention the funny part of it, because it's not just drama, right. it, it's hilarious also. Like, some of the best laughs I've had were from that show. Well, here's another thing that The Sopranos did really well, and it wasn't something they invented, but they made it, you know, great. You notice before, like, especially in certain death scenes, where there's just complete silence. Yeah. And then, and then the episode ends. Yeah. The, the, like, they have, like, the cliffhangers. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did, but also, like, did they, though? Like, now I'm trying to think, like, when Pussy died, there was time after it. When Ralphie died, there was time after it. Like, every major death happened, like, maybe three quarters or halfway through the show. You know what I mean? And then you got to see the aftermath right after. Like, Pussy's... Yeah, you know, like, I think... That happened a lot in the final season, more than anything. No, but like I said, Pussies was in season three. Um, Ralphie, like, do you remember the? Go ahead. I saw, and I haven't. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't watched the show in a while, but because I haven't had the time. But like, I was watching, you know, those little, you know, you know how they upload them on YouTube and rename them because of copyright. And shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was watching like the final final episode, and. I don't know if it was altered, but that's how it came across to me. No, the final episode, because we don't know what happened to Tony. We never got a definitive answer. You know, people could speculate all they want. I have my own thoughts on the Sopranos ending, which, in my opinion, is the best best way to go about the Sopranos ending. The easy way out is, oh, he got killed. You know, and me, I'm like, no, that's not ha what happened. And, and sorry for Super Ugly fans who have heard this before, but... I'm going to say it again. My interpretation of the ending is we get to the diner. AJ and Carmella come in. You know what I mean? They're building tension with Meadow parking. As all this is happening, Tony is scanning the room, right? He looks at this guy, and they focus on one guy. He looks at another guy. They focus on him. And throughout everything that's happening, that's what Tony's doing, right? He's scanning the room, scanning the room. He's got his back to the wall like every normal person well you know I, I i come from a world where you want to be able to see who's coming in the room so i would have sat where tony was also but throughout this whole time you're getting antsy because metal can't park her fucking car which was an, a brilliant fucking thing to do because it's such a dumb thing to do and it's such a who gives a shit fucking moment in in the grand scheme of things but for some reason it helped build the tension because you're like what the fuck is going to happen they're taking forever for her to park this fucking car and once she parks it what's going to fucking you know what i mean and uh, like i said all through that tony's watching watching looking at people watching 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 and that's what they wanted they wanted you to live in tony soprano's shoes for the last five minutes of the show he didn't die but you got to be tony because that's how tony is 24 7 when he's not at home 
He's watching, looking, scanning the room. Is this going to be the guy that shoots me? Is this going to be the guy that fucking kills me? And it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? But he has to live in that mindset constantly. And we got to live in that mindset with him. We were right fucking there with him. Because that whole time, we're going, who's going to fucking do it? Who's going to fucking... And it didn't happen. And it didn't... And he lived. And they all had fucking onion rings at the diner. And went on. And that was that. You know what I mean? And for me, you know, even if the guy came out and was like, this is the definitive ending. And he did get killed. I would still like to believe my my version. Because it's, it's such a better ending as far as i'm concerned you know than anything else anyone really can come up with especially the he got shot thing because that it's like oh okay we expected that but my thing is you know it's a little thinking outside the box but when you go back and rewatch it you'll see how right i am you know what i mean like especially the first time you were watching it now that we know what happened you know you go back and rewatch it, you know, you have to rewatch it and remember the first time you watched it. Like, you can't rewatch it now and seen it three times and go, well, what the fuck is he talking about? The first time we were watching it, that was the feeling you had. When the screen went black for a few seconds before the first words came up, everyone ran to their TV like, what the fuck? We all had that same moment, you know what I mean? And we all, as far as I'm concerned, got to be Tony. We got to, to live in his shoes. We got to... Be in his head and see, you know, the way he thinks about everyday normal situations. To anybody else, you're just sitting in the diner having dinner, not thinking about anything remotely close to what Tony has to think about. You know what I'm saying? So the writers and, and everybody gave us that moment, gave us that moment of you get to be Tony for this last five minutes. You get to see the way his mind works. As far as, you know, even something as easy as going out to dinner with his family. How for everybody else, that's such an easy thing. You know, you, let's go get dinner. That's it. For him, it's like, all right, let's go get dinner. Well, I don't know if I can go to that fucking restaurant. Some, you know, someone in that neighborhood doesn't really like me. They might see me. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. But there's a million things running through his head just to go get fucking dinner with his family. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but, and that's again, that's why that show was so fucking great. There's so many moments like that that people always question or talk about. You know, like the, the Russian in the, the Pine Barrens episode, where'd he go? You know, did Adriana really get killed because it happened off screen and we didn't see a body? You know, like there was all these little things that they kind of kept you with that are better unanswered. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it just is. So, some people like full closure. Like I me, mean, I'm not that person. Like I always like the of a trilogy. I always like the middle movie where it ends on a bad note, you know, where it ends with so many questions to be answered, where it ends, you know, where you you're leaving kind of like, oh fuck, like holy shit, that's fucked up. Like when you left Infinity War, and everybody was snapped. You know what I mean? Like you you had this feeling of uneasiness. You know, like you were like, what the fuck? Like what's gonna happen now? And you know, for a Marvel movie, you know everything's gonna be happy. But when it comes to something like The Sopranos. You don't know that it's going to be a happy ending, you know, and happy endings aren't guaranteed in that world. So, that, you know, that's why watching it, it, it brings out so much. And it, it, it can be exhausting on some episodes because one minute you're laughing harder than you've ever laughed. And the next minute you're crying. And then the next minute you're tense as shit. You, it, it's such a, a roller coaster of emotions watching the Sopranos episode sometimes that you, you forget even 
that people had to write this, had to act it, had to edit it, had to score it. And all this work went into it, and we take it for such granted. You know, we take that hour for such granted. And sometimes it annoys me because I'm like, fuck you. Like, you don't understand what you, you've just witnessed. Like, when people just write off, people that write off The Sopranos, I want to spit in their fucking face. Like, those people make me, my mother was one of those people forever. And then during the pandemic, she finally started watching it because I gave her my HBO Max password. She started whatever day it was. She finished the series within less than a week. Like, she was like, you were right. And she, she was like, it's the fucking most amazing thing. She loved every second of it. She couldn't stop. She'd be up at four in the morning watching the fucking Sopranos because she had to just keep getting to the next episode. Like, I look at something like that, a 73-year-old woman watching this show. And I go, if she can enjoy it on that level, there's not a person in the world that shouldn't enjoy this fucking show on that same level. Because, you know, whether you're fucking a 12-year-old kid or a 75-year-old woman, you know, everybody can understand that type of dynamic. You know what I mean? Like, you can't understand the mafia, you know what I mean? You know, unless you've lived it. But you, you can watching it you know you can understand the brotherhood the the loyalty you know all that shit that part of it and then them throwing in that family part of it it really just changed everything like look at breaking breaking bad wouldn't have happened if it wasn't sopranos like breaking bad was sopranos except with a meth dealer if you think about it yeah yeah i can see that yeah i, can see that. I mean it is because you know i mean it, it, it was more of a progression because walter white wasn't a meth dealer to begin with. He wasn't in the, you know, like Tony, but Tony was in the mob from day one. You know, from the moment he was born, he was pretty much destined to be uh, in the mob. Walter White didn't have that, but once he started the meth thing, you know, like he became this ruthless person, but still would go home and make his son pancakes, you know, make sure his son was all right. He, he was still that family guy for the most part. Towards the end, he really became a gigantic piece of shit. But, um, yeah, so... Go check out Many Saints of Newark trailer. It's phenomenal. I love it. I can't wait. And uh, like I said, it's going to be on HBO Max, too, coming this fall. So you, you don't even have to go to the theater for it, which is amazing. I love that. Uh, another trailer that came out this week. I'm going to wrap up really soon. I just want to mention one other trailer that came out this week, and that was the Halloween Kills trailer, the uh, second installment of the newest timeline of Halloween. Did you see the last Halloween movie? I did. It was amazing. I'm a huge Michael Myers, Halloween, it's my top horror. There's no one better than Michael Myers. Halloween is the gold standard as far as I'm concerned. And this newest timeline they started as a diehard, you know, and very critical Halloween fan, it was just about as perfect as you can get. Like, people dog on Rob Zombie. I loved both his Halloweens. But by the time you got to Halloween... Six in the original timeline, and then you had H2O. H2O was all right, but Resurrection was just unwatchable pretty much. So this whole new timeline really is is great to see. They're doing great with it. The new trailer is vicious. Like, Michael kills, like, 15 people in the trailer alone. So I, I'm just dying to see it. I fucking love They can make Halloween a, a thousand. I'll be there when I'm 98 years old still watching Michael Myers kill people. It's one of my favorite things to do. So check that out. And, yeah, I uh... – Go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, my, my favorite one, and it's also the first one I saw, because I was like 15, 16 at the time, was H2O. Um, and 
you know, one thing I liked about it, and I know it's cliche, but, you know, they were basically trying to uh, capitalize off the screen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a teen horror-like scream, like I know what you did. It was definitely in that same vein. But because Michael Myers is there, like if that wasn't Michael Myers and it was just some other killer that they came up with, that movie would have been another who who remembers it. You know what I mean? But the fact that it was Michael Myers and the way they played it out so well, like with Jamie Lee coming back and you know, all that stuff and really erasing like that pretty much erased four and five as far as I'm concerned, because Jamie Lloyd was not mentioned at all. So, you know, four and five and six did not exist in that in that world, as far as I can tell. So it was cool to see them go back to, you know, a sequel from the original part two. And now here's, you know, Laurie Strode 25 years later. And, you know, the fact that Michael found her and all that's kind of, you know, weird. Like it, it was good. But, you know, you can watch it and definitely beat the shit out of it and pick it apart. LL Cool J's, you know, comedic parts. It's like, all right, do we really need you know, the the comedy act in this movie, it's Michael Myers. It shouldn't be funny. He's a mental patient who murders people viciously, which is why... Yeah, and here's, another, here's another thing about it. Like, if you look at the old uh, Halloween movies, you notice that the sprees, the killing sprees, are spread over days. Almost. Uh, well, you know, not over days, really. Part. Over, like, it's usually, like, either October 30th into 31st. That's really it. It's usually spread over one day. Like, Halloween 1 was one day. It was just Halloween Day. And then Halloween 2 was the same night, but it went into November 1st, obviously, because, you know, I'm sure it was past midnight at some point in that movie. And then Part 4, again, I think, if I remember correctly, is all just one day as well. And same with 5. Yeah, it's usually just on Halloween. Uh, Rob Zombie's... Though, if, if we look at those, those, because of the, the backstory, you know what I mean, happened over days, I guess, that part of it. But once Michael was an adult and escaped, it was still just Halloween night. Yeah, Rob Zombies had a much better backstory, the first one. Some people hate that because it ruins the illusion of why Michael was the way he was. Like me, yeah. I love the, the idea of he's just a maniac. You know, like Jason, Freddy, they're monsters. You know, that, that, that can't happen. Michael Myers can fucking happen. A guy can break out of an insane asylum, grab a knife, and stab the shit out of you. Absolutely can happen. And you've seen people in that capacity take pain very differently than a normal human being. So everyone's like, yeah, but he gets shot and this, that. And they always explain it pretty well how he recovered from it. You know, and, and a guy his size and... It's not unheard of for people to survive the things he's been through. You get what I'm saying? So that's why, like, with Michael, it was always mostly grounded in reality. Then in part five, they started the whole foreign thing. And But I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were saying about Rob Zombie's movies. Yeah, I honestly have not seen part two fully. Like, I just can't get into it. Because um, I love the original part two. Yeah. But I might give it a shot. I might, I might you know, give it a shot. Here's the thing now, about Rob Zombie's Resurrection. Resurrection's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. It's, it's, it's a pile of horseshit. But here's the thing with Rob Zombie's part two. And there's people that love it like me, and there's people that despise it and think it's the worst thing ever. My thing about it is, for one, we got a very different Michael. A very different Michael. He makes noise. We see him without the mask a lot. 
he's a homeless drifter, which if you think about it, that's what Michael would be. You know, like when he disappears, it's not like he's going home somewhere. It's not like he's got a friend that he could shack up. Like, he's a drifter. And they portrayed him that way. But he was fucking vicious. It was the most vicious and brutal we've ever seen Michael Myers. Take away all the dumb mom stuff. That part, you know, is it's a little goofy. You know, he's got to shoehorn his wife in every fucking movie he makes somehow. So he shoehorned her in that way. Take away that part. But you look at Laurie's progression of from part one. She's a sweet, innocent, you know, high school student. And then part two, and you're seeing her dealing with this trauma of what she's gone through. Like, we've never seen that before. You've never seen the victim from Friday the 13th, you know, the next year and see the trauma, you know, the nightmares they're having, you know, going to your psychiatrist or whatever the case, the relationships you've had that now, you know, are tarnished or, you know, they can't understand what you've gone through or you're just a different person. You're more aggressive. You're less trusted, whatever the case may be. But you watch Lori in that movie and she's a completely different person from the person we saw in the first one. And it's things like that that I appreciate that I go, he tried something different. And does it all work? No. Like I said, the mom stuff is stupid. That stuff, whatever. But the rest of it is really fucking good. Is really fucking good. The way Dr. Loomis becomes a rock star, you know, and lets the fame get to his head and becomes like this kind of sleazy book selling doctor. Like all those things are more realistic as far as how life turns out in a situation like that, then most of the shit you'll see in movies anywhere, anywhere. And I'm a gore hound. So the fact that Michael, he didn't just kill you. He fucking killed you in that movie. He fucked you up. I loved that part of it. I absolutely loved it. So go back and rewatch it. I I think that one deserves a rewatch. And uh, I think it deserves another fair chance from most people. If you haven't seen it or you've only watched it the one time, watch it. Give it a, give it a fair chance. I, I think it, it really – I think it translates better when you go in there with less expectation because, you know, after Rob Zombie's first Halloween, again, there was people who didn't like it, but a lot of people did. And going into the second one, you were hoping for more of that, and you didn't get that at all. You got something completely different. So, you know, I think that kind of soured people going into it. And – like I said, even me, the first time I saw it, I was like, meh. And then I rewatched it, and I was like, there's a lot more going on here than people are, are giving me credit for. This is a really fucking good movie. So it, it deserves to uh, be, be re-looked at. And then one last thing. Uh, Quentin Tarantino was on Joe Rogan today. I started listening. Again, didn't get through the whole thing. Uh, as anyone knows, if you're a Super Ugly fan, I am a diehard Tarantino fan. Every movie of his is – there's not a bad movie in the bunch. Um he was on there but today was the release of the once upon a time in hollywood novel that tarantino wrote it's the first novel he's ever written so uh, i just got it today i maybe am like 10 pages in i can't really tell you much but reading it it's kind of cool to have an image of the character i'm reading about like i don't have to draw it up in my head i have the voice i have the the the, the look of who the character is and that's really helping me with this book like i'm not a huge novel reader i love graphic novels comic books i can read those all day but novels i like start getting bored because i'm thinking too much in my head as i'm reading and i'm not really grasping what i'm reading so with this seeing the movie is really helping me like get 
get everything in a book. Like, like it really is. So I, uh, you know, if anyone interested, go check it out. All right, Mill. Thank you, brother. You helped uh, 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 abundantly tonight. I would have been uh, up shit's creek, as they say, without a paddle if you didn't call in. So thank you. And uh, that's it. I'm going to uh, end it here. All right. Talk to you later, brother. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Mill hustles, everybody. Great guy. Uh, and that's it for us. Super ugly. Richie will be back next week. Of course, go to Russo'sBrand.com right now and subscribe. It's only three ninety five a month to get brand new shows every single week from Vince Russo, Stevie Richards, Bin Hameen, Goldilocks, uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel. Uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting so many people. Shane Douglas, uh, the beautiful people. There's new shows every single day, and it's less than $4 a month. So go to Russo'sBrand.com right now and subscribe. OBRadio.com. Go to OBRadio.com. Go buy some merchandise or check out the podcast. You can check it out there or wherever you get your podcast. Spotify, uh, iTunes. Go to OP Radio and check them out. And, of course, Statement Games, StatementGames.com. If you like to place prop bets on sporting events, you can do it over at Statement Games, and it's absolutely free. You can pay to play, which will probably better your chances to win, but you don't have to. And you can win gift card, cash cash gift card prizes, memorabilia, tickets, all sorts of shit. Go go to StatementGames.com and check it out. That's it for us, guys. Thanks for checking us out. We'll see you next Tuesday. Peace.